While this podcast may discuss medical issues and at times answer or discuss listeners' questions, this podcast is not offering any individual medical advice nor meant to substitute for individualized professional medical treatment or advice. So please remember that all content is for informational purposes only. And please consult with your own healthcare provider for your own issues and diagnosis. If you think you may have a medical emergency, do the right thing and call your doctor or go to a local emergency room or call 911 immediately. Never delay seeking individualized help for a problem based on something discussed here. Take care of yourself. You're worth it. Oh, hi, everybody. You know, I listened to the disclaimer, which my attorney says I have to have at the beginning of the podcast, because this is a show. It sounds so douchey to me. Whenever you think that you're going to jump out a window, please. But but see what uh, uh, if I, I recorded the first time quickly, you know, because I started in the world of uh, of uh, silent film. So I very, very quickly started, if you ever think that you're having, you know, to move it along. So it wouldn't be, but then it sounds like I don't care. Now it sounds like I'm just, but we, because we discuss, uh, you know, things that involve mental illness and, and sobriety, we never want anybody to think that we're, 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 we're giving medical advice, uh, unlike uh, Captain Marmalade, the traitor of our country, your president, not for long. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how we can change the, uh, the Travis. What do you, what, what do you think? The disclaimer, it, it sounds so self-important, but some of the shit we talk about is important, but you know, I like to take a lighter side of it sure, because yep. it has so much weight in itself, but I have to do the disclaimer because mm-hmm. you know, my attorneys know how my yapper gets and there are going to be people, you know, that live in the red States that are going to go, eh, eh, the Jew said you could have tequila and, you know, go right. fishing. And and I, I don't want to be responsible for, for well, that was the this you. newest version of the disclaimer was much better than the very first one, which was basically don't fucking listen to me. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And then but I don't it progressed. It got better. Right. Right. Because I, I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, we're, we're all struggling in our own ways. Do any just, of us at this point? I know. I know. Oh, my gosh. And I want to I just want to. Quickly, um, uh, you know, the nonprofit foundations, I know this, this, this world is hurting uh, for so many thousands of reasons, uh, mm-hmm. but the nonprofits are really, are really uh, taking a hit right now because when things are tight, obviously we always don't have the means to, to donate to people that at the end of the day are a lot needier to us. But I want to thank the people who have been, um, uh, checking me out on Cameo and actually uh, sending money to the Maximum Hope Foundation. Whatever I do on Cameo, and people are like, oh, roast my grandfather or, or make fun of my wife. And I just don't do a, a happy birthday. It's it's Robbie from Raymond. I don't do, even though that was my... 
you know that that's 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 extra if you want Robert. But, well, but gotta, what I'm just saying extra is, for that one. You got to pay extra. But yeah. I just want to thank the people because 100% of that goes to the Maximum Hope families, and these are uh, people that are taking care of children that have life limiting illnesses. So thank you for that. Hundred degrees today on the coast. A hundred degrees on the coast, and where you are, you're inland. It's like mm-hmm. living on the sun. I've it was been in your, your area. 113 yesterday, and uh, it's just, you, you walk outside, it feels like Missouri, the middle of Missouri. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, okay, no puns. Okay, save that for the outtakes. Okay, thank thank you, Travis. And <laughs> yeah. sleep. And sleep. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's but, you, you, you know, there's uh, there's there's no global warming, and, and there's, right? It, it, no. It's a hoax. It's yeah, that's, a, all, it's, that's it's, all science The China flu, the China mumbo, flu's making it warm. Mumbo jumbo, yeah. It just, it's just crazy. Don't listen so, to uh, the experts. Never. What, what I've learned in the past four years is never yes. listen to the scientists that have been studying this for 180 years. Yeah. Ne- never listen to the people that have actual data that can back it up. Sure. S- some guy told you, so let's talk, let's listen to that guy. Yeah. 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 I'm not taking the first round of the, uh, of, of, of the vaccine. Won't you? I'm, I'm, no, I, <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> I, I won't, but I, I uh, yeah. And, and you know, uh, Captain Marmalade, you know, he, he's going to be pushing this down everyone's throat because he wants us. And the FDA is about as crooked as you can get, in my opinion. I believe in vaccines, no mm-hmm. question. I'm not one of these people. You're not an anti vaxxer. Like no, I'm not an anti vaxxer. And I really, I really, you know, I don't get that. It, it's awful if, if, but, but you got to look at the numbers. It's awful if anyone got sick off a vaccine, of course, but you got to look at the, but the first round, oh my gosh, I, I'm afraid I'll grow a tail you well, you know, might. If, I, if, if I take the first one. Well, if, uh, if it's, a, if it's a vaccine approved by him, yes. what will happen is you'll turn orange because he wants a whole race to look just like him. Yeah, orange. With that's the, true. Now remember, Travis, because I know we talked about the, uh, uh, the vaccine. It won't, it won't, uh, 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 handle your chlamydia so please please for that. please be careful i will try okay yeah um, thanks for that note and the vote of confidence and also for letting well, 13 people that are watching this know yeah okay it's now probably down to 11 do you like i'm wearing my simon cal t-shirt today do you like that because it makes good. me like look it. uh thank you, you let's, let's see get my, a good uh, look at that yeah isn't that good. nice that looks nice thank you very much um I've been talking to my friends, uh, I don't have many, but my friends in, in Vegas, the entertainers, we're trying to um, figure out what, what's go- going on. Uh, Governor Sisolak, who, of course, I believe has been doing the right thing, and I realize that entertainment is going to come back last. The rumors are the end of the year, mid-2021. Uh, for people that know my act, I'm hearing never, never will will live uh performing and and i understand that and there's there's a reason it's like global warming it's a hoax my act is a hoax can't get hackier than that or global warming but um it's it's so sad because vegas which is really the only city in america that's backbone is entertainment it's me actually i i heard this thing that the last three years entertainment and dining um was actually a bigger source of revenue for the city of Las Vegas for the first time uh, than gambling. And now uh, we're trying to figure out uh, if we can come back and, and when that will be. But I do feel for my performers in Vegas, there's thousands of them if you consider the crews and and the people that turn off my mic and, and everyone else. There's a lot of people 
So my my hearts are with you. And and I know we're phase three, but I would love it. Governor Sisolak, uh, big, big uh, uh, fan of the show. Uh, if he could just, we, we would love to just have an idea. Just, just let us know you're thinking about the entertainers. Because every time you talk, you really, you know, we need a, there, there's not supposed to be any any type of um, entertainment at all. And then we, we saw a video of Governor Sisolak, who I am a fan of, by the way. Um, I voted twice for him. Um, there's there's a picture of him at a restaurant with um, like a, a jazz trio in Vegas. So if there could be a jazz trio while you're sucking down your free ziti, I would love to know when uh, when me and Alonzo Bowden, look at that segue, can, can play Vegas and my club again. Um, if you've ever worked with Alonzo Bowden, do not follow him. I made that mistake, especially with your headlights off. Because he'll 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 put the hurt on you. No, he's he's one of the one of the most kindest, talented standups out there. Uh, I watch his act, and I want to go put my head in the oven. He's so funny. He has a special out on Amazon Prime that is called uh, "Heavy Lightweight." Also, uh, a podcast who's paying attention which really should have been the name of my podcast because we know that answer. Uh, he was one of the original winners on Last Comic Standing. And uh, here is a clip uh, of Alonzo Bowden. Last night, I was wearing my Clipper shirt. People got mad. Yeah, yeah, man. You Clipper, are you a Clipper fan? Hell yeah. I know this. Laker fan. See, this, I'm actually happy the Lakers are good again because Laker fans don't know how to have a bad team. You know what I mean? The Lakers get bad. Laker fans just turn into a bunch of whiny little bitches just crying. Oh my God. You Clipper fans, you give us a bad team, we know how to handle it. We like, well, we got it. Well, see you next season. We don't give up. We'll be there. I've been a Clipper fan. I love the Clippers, man. Clippers, Clippers help me pick up women. They do, because I tell women I played for the 89 Clippers. Because no one knows who played for the 89 Clippers. There are actually guys who were on the 89 Clippers, not sure I wasn't on the 89 Clippers. They're like, we, we never checked the end of the bench. He might have been there. If he said it, he might have been. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, uh, my friend Alonzo Bowden. <laughs> so, how are you, man? <laughs> I am good, man. You know, just listening to your intro in the first five minutes, I was like, I could jump in on every topic you covered. You know, from the from the temperature yesterday. Um, you know, you know, I'm a motorcycle guy. My bike yes. has a uh, thermometer. I was on the 101. It read 118. <laughs> because is, you're probably going through woodland hills exactly uh, yeah the exactly. hottest place the in the world place on on earth and, and my hometown woodland hills <laughs> and as far as the the vaccine listen i'm i'm anxious to get vaccinated because i want bill gates to know where i am at all times and i know <laughs> he has the electronic tracker that is somehow going to be injected in all of us right so sure got to sure. yeah yeah, it, it's, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, after you, please. No, I was just going to say, you're right in the intro. Like, we are in such unprecedented times. And like Travis says, 
the, the willful ignorance, the hatred of anyone who actually went to school and learned something. Like, how dare you graduate from college and try to tell me something? You've only been a doctor of infectious disease for 50 years? What the hell do you know? <laughs> that's that's what we're living in. That's what we are living in, man. Would you take the first round? You wouldn't take the first round, would you? Well, no. And as a matter of fact, I, I was at the dentist this past week, right? But Which was, that's a whole thing. I don't know if you've done that, going to yes. a or medical facility, but sure, very a lot of testing and safe. And, and I understand it because this guy's reaching people's mouths. But sure. he was telling me, he said, no. He said, listen, the process for testing a vaccine, he said, like, they're skipping the whole process. He said, yeah. it takes months if not years you know you got to have a large population sample you right. have to have different people like different races of people different ages different etc cetera, etc cetera, gender every and you have to test all of them and then they find out oh for this group of people there might be this side effect and for that age there might be that and they have to fit he's like there's no way you you approve a vaccine in three months because it's election day yeah, I know, but but then again, and uh, Trump said that only only white men will be getting the vaccine, so that really really makes it a much smaller group of people uh, to test. Only you know white what? men. I'm okay with that. Let's yeah. test it on. Let's test it on white men. I'm good with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's, right. It's about time. <laughs> Little payback. <laughs> Little payback would be nice. How is the motorcycle world? I know you're you you and Jay Leno. You know you go riding. You have a good time. You're on a show a lot. I've done the show. I think Jay brings me on to make fun of me because I don't know anything. But you, I mean, you actually build shit, right? I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm tell me gear, about it. I'm a gearhead, and Jay brings me on whenever he has a crazy motorcycle because, yeah, right. we're motorcycle guys. I'll right. tell you what's fantastic about motorcycles in the pandemic. It's the automatic social distancing vehicle. Yes. You know, I, sure. I got on a helmet. I Good got point. on gloves before it was a thing. <laughs> you know, right. so when you're on the bike, you're it's probably the safest way to travel in the sense of not sharing. Uh, excuse me. Sure. Not sharing air. Right. Or, yeah. or, you know, you know, so that and, and as a matter of fact, uh, there have been a couple of times where I've forgotten my mask and I just keep my helmet on <laughs> and, and you walk around your helmet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I bet the white folk love that. Oh, scared the hell out of them. Yeah, I bet that. uh, As a large black man, there's nothing better than being allowed to wear a mask everywhere I go. Yes. I'm I'm having a ball. As as you know, Brad, we all looked alike before. Right. Right. Now with the masks. (laughs) Tell me what it's like. What what, what is your take on, on... What's happening with Black Lives Matter and the 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 the, the frightening resistance against that in this country, which well, has always been there, but right. as a black man in 2020, where 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 are you at? Well, here's the thing, and and it's not new to us. See that that's the big difference: the 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 mistreatment by police, the the abuse by police, law enforcement, etc. It's not new to black people. So we're kind of like, well, now you see what we've been talking about, right? I mean, you know, I I was in a discussion about this. One of the greatest civil rights tools is going to be the the iPhone, right? The fact that we're all carrying a video camera now 
and we're able to say to people who've been denying it, like, look, here it is, you know, and it happens. Um, and, and just the idea, the, the, the fight against Black Lives Matter, it's almost comical and like, so, so you're saying they don't like, how does this affect you? How does, how does not killing black people offend you? You know? Um, but on, on the other hand, um, people are hearing it now. I think that's the, that's the biggest difference. I think what happened with George Floyd and the reason is my opinion that it had such an impact is we were all quarantined. We were inside during the pandemic. Absolutely. The video came out and everyone had to watch it. It wasn't one of those where you didn't see the video and you're like, oh, he must have been resisting. What did he do? People, no, people watched the man get killed in real time. And I think yep. that made an impression. It also, the world saw it. So now the United States can no longer pretend to be morally above some other country. You know, they're like, no, the, the world saw what's going on here. Yeah. Um, in the aftermath, you know, I mean, I joke about it. You know, I've been through both riots, right? I, I was at the Rodney King riot and and the current, you know, and I was like, well, this time we invited white people. Made my, That was the move. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. But what I tell people, no, people ask me, and you're one of the, you know, you're doing this, okay? Mm -hmm. um, in this fight for uh, racial justice, racial equality, common sense, fairness, yeah. We need white people to talk to white people. That, to me, that's the voice we need because when uh, to a lot of white people, when black people say it, they tune it out. Right. You're just complaining again. I'm not a racist, blah, 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 blah. So, but I think when white people talk to other white people, that's a better chance for them to actually listen. And there's a certain portion of the population that I've given up on, you know, in, in, to right. me, me too. If you're a racist over 40, I got nothing to talk to you about because I'm not going to change your mind. So your mind is, point. You're, you know, so, so I don't have any energy to waste on you, you know, that, and that's like that. So that's what do you, what do you tell a 25 year old racist? Because, you know, he was raised by racist because over 40, I know what you're saying because I hear from white people the same shit differently than when, you know, they'll tell a, 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 a black individual, Oh, I'm not racist. I'm not. A, but when it's white on white, you know, you hear it very differently. The what do you tell the younger ones? And there's a ton of them. Right. That are the racist. 20 somethings. And, and I'm not talking about the crazy ones, the, the of course. boys and all that, whatever they want to call themselves, but right. the 20 somethings because they're internet savvy and because they're in the world, they don't buy it because they, they see the, the abuse on the internet and they right. have the black friend, they have a Jewish friend. They have, you That's know, right. I, I have a niece, let's see, she's coming up on 27. And when she was in high school, I used to laugh because when she talked about her friend, I had no idea who that might be. That might be a Chinese guy. It might be a gay woman. They might right. be black, white, you know what? Like that, that, that generation, I guess now they're calling them generation Z or whatever. Right. They grow up. And, and I think your kids fall into that. Yeah, def definitely. They, they've been so multicultural yep. that when you try to tell them that black people are this or Mexican people are that, they're like, well, that's bullshit. I, I got a friend who, you know, isn't that. I got a friend who does this. And my friend's parents 
do that, you know? So, so it, that generation, and they're my hope. They're my hope. Yeah, that me generation. Too. Me too. Multicultural, internet savvy, open-minded. They're the ones I hope for in, in the change of our society. Yeah, me too. So when you know that a race is incredibly close coming up on November 3rd, it's just after these four years, how can it be close? And I believe it is. Do you? I absolutely believe it's close. Because you told me early on, I don't mean to interrupt you. You were one of the first to tell me that Trump was going to win. We were backstage at the club. You were worried about it. Yeah, because when you travel, and as you know, I travel a ton, the the secret or silent Trump voter is out there. They're the ones who they're not going to say anything. And they might even say I'm progressive or this or that. But when they go in that booth and they close that curtain, then they vote for Trump. So when we get these polls saying that, you know, Biden's ahead by this or that, I I could I put the low end, yes. 10% more people are voting for Trump than will admit it. I put that at the low end. And, and I agree totally. I read and this quote, I don't know who initially said it. Um, I read it from Common from his page, but it's like, if you don't think voting is important, why do you think they're working so hard to stop you from doing it? Well you got to vote. You got to. And, and I know people say my vote doesn't count. It's like maybe. And, and I get that argument because there's so much shit going on with the voting. Like now what they're trying to take away the ability to vote by mail. I read a great quote. Uh, no, it was on Facebook. It was this thing about the uh, post office and what they're doing. And they said, well, if you really want your vote to count, go to a rich neighborhood and put it in that mailbox because they're counting those. <laughs> you know, they're, they're not throwing those away. Um, you, you can't take it for granted. And, that, and that's what happened in 2016. Yes. A lot of people took it for granted that Hillary was going to win and the Democrats were going to win. And you can't take it for granted. This, you know, it's unfortunate the way the system's set up it is. Like here in California we don't even count, you know, it's, it's like, how the hell, no disrespect to Ohio, but how right. is Ohio more important than California when you look at the impact on the nation's economy and everything else, but the way the voting system set up in the electoral college, by the time we vote, the decision's already made and, and well, our votes, you know. How do we get rid of this electoral college? I know it's difficult, but we're not dealing with 13 colonies anymore. It is so antiquated and lopsided and the most votes win, as in any other, you know, election of, of it. You know, what is it going to take? Well, because the old white men run it, right? So okay. they want the electoral college. The quickest way to get rid of the electoral college: let a Republican win the popular vote and lose the election, and watch how fast the. That's why I have him on. Thank you. The the Democrats, you know, did listen. I love Michelle Obama. But I will never agree with when they go low, we go high. It's like, no, you got to get in the dirt and fight with them. So so this electoral college, the the, the fight on that. That's, is- that's brilliant. See, that's that's true. But to what point do you go high? It's like, I want to talk about the, you, you know, the protesting as opposed to the rioting and the looting and the burning. Because this is, you know, this is this is the white person's trope 
of, well, yeah, but they're doing this. And it plays into their racism as far as, yeah, but they're burning. And look, and I have to say, there are times I go, doesn't that hurt the message when you look at Portland, when you look at a place that's become, uh, it feels like an anarchy, especially if you're, if you're white and you got that racism going in there, something that they can tag on and go, yeah, but look what they're doing and, and look how they're acting like criminal. Where do you, when, when the peaceful protest doesn't work and the more aggressive or violent protest doesn't work, when she says, you, you, well, you know, when they go low, you go high. Uh, and, and I agree with what you're saying. To what degree? And and Well, this it's, it's two different fights, right? Because uh, right. I'm talking about the fight in the political arena. Meaning okay. like, like the best Trump commercials have been coming out by Republicans who've turned on Trump, right? Um, what is it? The Lincoln Project? Yep. And this Love is, them. I, I, I don't know if you've seen any of the Biden commercials. They're, they're very vanilla. Yeah. Very. And, and the Lincoln Project, it's like, no, let's show what a piece of shit Trump is, right? When yeah. it comes to the street and the protest, that's where it's it's on the media, right? And there's nothing we can do about it because it, it's always going to be sexier to the media to show a riot than to show a peaceful protest. Absolutely. So like in Kenosha, okay, with Jacob Blake, they show the, the burned up stores and this and that. They don't show that, that big rally that they had where they were that's like, right giving free haircuts and barbecue and food, you know, and this, yep. this was a peaceful gathering to yep. celebrate the life of this guy and to register people to vote and this and that. There, there's not much we can do about that, about the coverage. And of course we would prefer there be no rioting and we would prefer to show, and they've shown this sometimes, especially after George Floyd, they showed some of these things where the white racists were the ones breaking the windows. They were the ones starting it. Of course, because it feed like you said. It feeds the trope. It feeds that yeah. fear that they love to keep. You know, it would be great if the media would cover that. Um, would cover black people stopping people from breaking windows. And but you would expect the liberal media to to do more of that, like the CNN or or the people like. But but it it comes yeah. down to eyes and viewers, and it's not as sexy as you right. said. Ratings and it, the, yeah. you know it it's. Listen, it's frustrating to us too. It's it's frustrating to black people to see the, the yeah. violence in the streets, whether it be for the sake of destroying the businesses, which is bad, and, yeah. and also because it does hurt the message. But yeah. the other side of that is, man, the frustration, the anger. It you yeah. know, there are times when you honestly, Brad, you can't contain the anger. When you're, you know, I I was talking about this with somebody like you can't even focus on one protest because the next murder is happening. You know, you know what I mean? Like we're looking at, at uh, Jacob Blake and then in, in LA, another man gets shot, you know, and we don't know if he had the gun or not, but even if he did, they kept shooting him when he was laying on the ground. You know, you know what I mean? So, so now it's like, oh, do we start protesting this one? And then we still have Breonna Taylor and what's going on with her. And right. you, you know what I mean? It, it's such a, it gets tiring. It gets frustrating. And people's anger, people are human, man. You can only absolutely so far the anger, it does explode. You know, I wanted to. And how can it not? Because yeah. we're, it doesn't change. 
I mean, when Chappelle said, you know, in 846, when he said that Don Lemon was asking for the voice of celebrity, and what did Chappelle say? Man, the streets are talking. It's like, yeah, listen, listen to the fucking streets. You know, yeah. they, this this it ain't up to to no. some celebrity to make a statement. Look what's going on. That's Absolutely. the statement, you know. So it, it's it's tough. It's a lot of things. Um, I wish there was an easy solution. I think, yeah, if we get Biden and Kamala Harris in office. That's the start. Then we get reason. Then they start putting people in who, like, imagine giving jobs to experts. Like, for instance, if imagine housing and urban development being run by somebody who's worked in housing. Imagine education being run by someone who's worked in education. Like, you honestly couldn't, if you told people this 10 years ago, if you told them that, you know, yeah, Department of Education gonna be run by somebody who's never been in a school. Right. It would have been like, the hell is wrong with you? No, it doesn't work like that. So so that's the hope. The next administration puts people yeah. in who are empathetic, who are intelligent, and who a little humanity, getting back to some humanity. But it's just a first step. I mean, I'm I'm you know, this guy cannot get back in, but it's just a first step. But you know, huge for Kamala. For the you, you know, for the the people of color. I mean, you know, I, I I read online. She's not black enough. Joe is you know too white. It's just, you know, it's like let's just make a step away from this traitor. You know that it, that doesn't believe you, you, you know that that systemic racism exists. Who, who's calling veterans losers and 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 suckers? And you know he said it because yeah, that's his yeah, daily. That's, that's his know. dialogue. You know he said it. You know, and sure. it, I can't tell you, Brad, how upset I was when Kamala Harris was. Uh, and I've been a supporter of her for a long time. I, I love love her. I think she's Me brilliant. Too. And too. ever since the Kavanaugh hearings, but the way she lit into him, I was like, yes, thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Um, the the she's not black enough, and she sent black people to jail. And it's that it's true. She did send black people to jail. It was part of her job. It is unfortunate. But let me tell you something. The worst Kamala Harris is so much better than the best Pence. You know what I mean? The, the worst Biden. That's I, it. I don't care if Biden was a senile old oh, yeah. man. He's still a hundred times better than, than what we have because yes. what we have is intentionally ignorant. And, you know, when it comes to systematic racism, like I don't even count. Trump, because he's just a fucking idiot, but the people right. behind him who are making the decisions, sure. they know that systematic racism exists, but they also know that their base, at the lowest common denominator of their base, is easily manipulated. These people, <coughs> excuse me, aren't dumb. They know what they're doing. But how come no one, I, I, and I know this is a rhetorical question, but but isn't it amazing to you that that no one stands up to this fucker? I, I mean that I, Republican, you know, and the Democrat, they got to find some balls. They got to, for once, you know, they need some stones, man. They got to, but, but out of all those Republicans, it's like, you know, you'll hear about two or three that say something and that just feeds their agenda. But no one has stood up in our government that has really said, this is a disaster. This is wrong. I mean, it's it's crazy to me. That's what I've been waiting for. You know, where is where is that movement of people the, that have all taken the oath? 
Is it really that crooked? Is it really they're that worried about themselves, knowing that this Trump thing is going to go away eventually? Don't they have families to, to, to answer to? Or don't they go home to someone that is like, how can you be so complicit? Or am I just, you know, that naive? Yeah, listen, you're right. I mean, there's an extent of it where it's money, right? They, where they sure. not pay taxes or, or this or that. But yeah, I don't know where the humanity is. I don't know, you know, this latest one calling the, the uh, veterans losers and suckers has offended a lot of people who weren't offended before. And, and I, again, got into this with a friend and I was like, oh, so the racism didn't bother them or the misogyny didn't bother them or that, you know, and, and they said, shut up, we'll take them. We'll take them. Don't even, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if this is what pushed them over the edge, okay, let them be pushed over the edge. The, the part of the strategy, and, and this is where Trump, the one thing guys like Trump um, is, in, you know, even Sarah Palin was this, they're experts at manipulating the media, right? So one of the things he does is I'm going to back this lie up with another lie, with another lie to where they, you can't fact check it. Like the lies are coming at you so fast that you can't fact check them all. And it's, and I love what you said about, excuse me, about where is the pushback? Because I love that at those White House press conferences, the women uh, reporters are the ones who are holding, you know, they're questioning them. And the unfortunate thing is no one's backing them up, right? So when a woman asks him a tough question and he turns to the next person, have the next person ask the same question. Stop right. letting him off the hook. And, and, you know, two women will ask him a tough question and he'll just get up and walk away because right. he can't he can't handle that. But let's not stop. That's no reason to stop doing it. You know, sure. that's no reason to stop doing it. Ask him again. Ask him again. Yeah. The the moral the morality part, man, it, it's like you you talk to psychologists and stuff and they talk about like this is like a dis disorder right it's some kind of sociopath thing it is it is to be incapable of empathy to be incapable of understanding what other people go through and it's just what you said is true i mean mcconnell is another one you know the these oh my god they they really Incredible. where is the humanity where, where at what point what what would make you understand how horrible this is? I don't and and uh, we don't know because we've never reached that point. Right? We've never reached a point where sure. they're showing some humanity. So when you say what will bring out the humanity, shit, we don't know. We've never seen it. <laughs> well, you know, it's like what I've always said. If Trump was your neighbor, you would tell the wife we we gotta we gotta move i don't want to <laughs> live next you know to this to this crazy he's crazies you know but there is if you you know coming from a mental illness standpoint there is um, a borderline personality uh, a narcissistic borderline personality it is a disorder if you look it up it is his playbook and uh it, you know you don't have to be uh, uh, a doctor or a psychiatrist to know that there's there's shit when, when you're a pathological liar, which he is. You believe part of it, you don't believe part of it, and you can't stop doing it. And it it this happened when he was you know a, a real estate mogul. I don't know how many moguls you know uh, declare you know declare bankruptcy seven times, but y y you know um, when 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 I would work 
you know, one of his casinos in the 80s in Atlantic City, you would hear, you know, back in the kitchen, oh, God, he's here tonight. Everyone just avoid him. Don't look him in the eyes. He's, this is going back to the, to the you know, 80s where he was a maniac running his hotels. And so, well, it's, you but, know, you, you hit it. And this is where his supporters, they're so deep in the cult that they can't step out of it. But even in the beginning, when they're like, oh, he's a great businessman. It's like he bankrupted casinos. Oh, yeah. Do you know how hard? Think about here's a business where people say, hey, what are you going to do this weekend? I'm going to go to Atlantic City. I have money to lose. Like, I literally have money in my pocket that exactly. I afford to lose. And he's running the business saying, how do I make a profit? I can't yeah. make the People are walking in the door. <laughs> That's right. Right? How do you bankrupt that? You know? Yeah. And, and then, and yet have people say what a good businessman you are, right? Like, okay, seven bankruptcies. So is eight the magic number? Is the eighth bankruptcy when you say, you know, this guy might not be a good businessman. Yeah. But sure. the first seven, that <laughs> was just... <laughs> you know, back in the days when I worked at Atlantic City, before I went sober, you know, I hung out at a lot of bars, man, in Atlantic City, right? We'd do our show. I would drink till 5 a.m. I'd get up 4 p.m. the next day and repeat. But I would hang out, you know, at the local bars in Atlantic City. Uh, I love that town. I love the East. And I would hang out with the people that made that city run. Uh, carpenters, crew. There were, I mean, I, I ran into to, to painters that he owed money years after the Taj Mahal opened. I mean, contractors yeah. that were never paid um uh you know it's it's just in you know it's it's just sad and it's it's sick we got to i mean who would have thought that 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 he would be running this this country which is not the greatest country in the world and we have to stop saying that and you know i know this is rough for people to hear but but i i, I don't think racism goes on this this crazy uh uh in, in in other parts of the world i don't know i mean you've been all over you know, I, I don't see it this I mean it's every, that racism is everywhere but the but violence not to this, not but to this level not, not to this level. level and you know a big, a big part of it is the history of slavery right because yeah. it 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 permeates history and people will say today, well I don't own slaves it's like yeah but still the country was built on on black people being specifically black people and this is no disrespect to other people of color whether right. they be Latin or Mediterranean or whatever, but black people have a specific history of being treated as less than human. And that is part of the nation's psyche. And it, and it takes some work to, to change that, to get, you know, this, I'll tell you, Brad, who this is really, I feel it's so hard on. And, you know, I, my parents have both passed away, but my parents' generation, because they fought this fight in the 60s, and they thought we made it past this, you know, the the fight to get the right to vote, the the police with the dogs and the fire hoses and, the, you know, all of that shit. They went through all of that and they thought, OK, we've done that. Now our kids can move on and go to college and, and become part of the system. And instead, they're watching their grandkids fight the same fight that they already fought, which which is ridiculous. And when you talk about that greatest country in the world, you're right. So many times it's little things. Like I remember one time me and a buddy, we were doing a USO tour 
we're in Spain. I think I want to say it was Barcelona or whatever. But we were in the airport. We're waiting for our bags. And he said, hey, did you notice something? I said, no, what? He said, we're the only two black people here and nobody cares. Yeah. You know, there's no. That's time, it in a nutshell. Yeah. There's no time yep. in the U.S. where you're the, where we're the only two black people in baggage claim at the airport and someone's not looking at us. Yeah. You know, or 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 they ask you, can you help me with my bags? Right. <laughs> right. Even take yeah. it to that level. Yeah. Right. It was yeah. and it was just one of those moments where you can like you can exhale. You know, it's it's like I, I don't it, know what that's like. And it, what a way to fucking have to live your life. Yeah. And, and, and have that when you leave the, the house every day and when you I mean, that's just part that people don't understand that. That's that's your way of life. And my, it's it's not understood. My personal thing, and again, I'm I'm lucky. Listen, I've I've had a yep. you know, life's been good to me. I've had a good run, my career is nice, I got a nice home and all of that. So I'm not right. I'm not saying that I'm fighting the struggle every day, but but no. every black person on any level is aware of it. And I tell people, this is my thing. I have to put white people at ease that I'm not gonna attack them that I'm not going to hit them. And the scariest thing about that, and I really dealt with this a lot in my 20s and my 30s, is when you have an interaction with a cop and he's scared of you. Like that, that is a, it's an insane dynamic that I've dealt with. I remember one time, because when I'd get pulled over, it's like hands on the hood, spread them, this or that, right? And this right. cop did that to me. And he's like, spread them wider. You're pretty big. And I literally said to him, I said, yeah, but you got a gun. Brad, he laughed. He was like, you're right. Like, it never, you, you know what I mean? It was like, it occurred to him. It was like, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I might be big. You have a gun. And he was like, oh, yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's, but that's what it's like, you know. And, and when people talk about that thing of teaching your kids, you know, I, I had an experience. And it's a, it's a horrible experience. When my nephew was about, I don't know, nine or 10, my sister was actually crying because she they were in New York. She said, how do I tell my son how to deal with the police? Like she was literally afraid yeah. for her, you know, and, and this is something that you're right. You can't imagine it unless you have to deal with it. And and again and and listen, we know it's not all cops. You know all the, all of these excuses. You know, it's not all yeah. cops. What about black on black crime? Is like this? I'll tell you this about black on black crime. I expect to be afraid of a crip, but I shouldn't have to be afraid of a cop. <laughs> you know that it, it's like wow. that's, that's two different things. So yes, it is. Stop making that argument because that's not the same the same argument, you know? And, and the other thing is there's white on white crime because crime, and it's been proven, crime is local. Criminals don't commute. Criminals right. rob somebody close. Right. So anything you say is going on in the hood or in the inner city is also going on at the trailer park. Yes, it is. <laughs> Which they only need to see your act to know because that's you- <laughs> that's true and the trailer trash love my act because i play into their tropes see that jews right making fun of that latina yeah exactly you, you know um we're brothers in sobriety and yeah. we haven't talked about it a lot but i was i i watched a zoom you were on uh, uh several days ago 
uh, that that uh, had to do with with people that were sober from different parts of 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 our life. Uh, you you were the you were the 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 performer, the 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 comedic uh, uh, element. Um, there were there were doctors, there were other people that had. So tell me how you became sober. Uh, how long have you been? Uh, 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 Thirty two years. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, God I'm, bless I'm you. They call an old timer these days. And, you know, what was your bottom? My bottom. Um, I, I I tell about. I was an '80s crackhead, right? I was on the okay. '80s cocaine timeline. I I mean, right. smoking weed and drinking beer was always there, but but sure. the cocaine thing. I moved to LA in 1980. I had a really good job. I was in the aerospace business. I was one of those that Robin Williams talked about that. Oh, you, cocaine is a symptom of having too much money, yep. right? That, yep. You know, and you start the party, and the party continues. It goes too far. the The free base thing came along. The crack thing came along. It was an unbelievable rush. That high was unbelievable, and it did consume you. And the only thing you did was want more. and And yep. so I was in that. My bottom happened. I got arrested. I had been incredibly lucky, Brad. I'd never got busted, never got caught, you know, and this is yeah. using for the, the the smoking cocaine thing for at least a three-year period, right? Just yeah. falling down. I got arrested and I was in jail that night alone with me. And there was nobody to blame and there was no excuse and it was like, okay, I have this at that time, you know, aerospace. I had my education, my license. Like, in other words, I had all the tools to make life work. And this is what I did with it. This is where I ended up. And it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, I never wanted to feel that way again. That's what it was. I never wanted to feel that way again. And I had been exposed to recovery once before. And I went back to rehab. And... The big thing that happened to me when I went to rehab was I found out I wasn't the only one that, you know, that that hit me equally hard. Like these people were me. They were my people. Like you say, brother, they they knew the shame, the loneliness, the the, the lies that were told, the, the, all the shit, the, the every step of I'm not going to do that. And then you do it. I'm not going to do that. And then you do it, you know, and, and they knew about that. So that's what, that's what made it real and, and totally changed my life in every way, including my comedy career, which didn't start until five years into my recovery. Is that right? Yeah. So comedy was always, that's, that's an amazing story. Um, so comedy, obviously you were always funny. It was always brewing the sobriety made your passion and your dream available well you know they they laughed at me until i could laugh at myself right so they changed my sense of humor from a tool to belittle people or to deflect attention or all of that to when they started laughing like when i laughed at myself and you know you know in recovery they don't give a shit like there's no there's no, that's not, I remember going to a meeting and, and, you know, I was just, oh man, I just, I, man, I just feel like killing myself. 
And this guy, Marty, this old guy said, congratulations. You didn't even think about getting loaded. You went straight to suicide. You're going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, and I tell people that's the difference. Right. Right? In a yes. mental health facility, they're never going to joke about you wanting to kill yourself. In, in right. recovery, they're going to tell you, you're doing good. You're doing good. You only want to kill yourself. We, you're well on your And, you know, yeah. and it, was, it was a thousand laughs like that that changed it, that made it okay, you know, and, and, and yeah. Because it's not a clinical approach, you know, especially the steps you're surrounded, not by doctors that are trying to, you know, who've never fucking hit a bottom, but, but people that are in the muck with you. And so the humor is huge. I mean, some of the biggest laughs have been at meetings, you know, and, and stuff. And, and when I started, I tried to use my humor to deflect at an AA meeting. And that lasted about 10 seconds. I mean, I'm used to silence when I do my act. But boy, when you get silence in an AA room after a joke, oh, that's that's beyond crickets. That's what I call crickets thoughts when you when you die at an AA meeting. And I stopped that shit right away. Because people know. People know if you're trying to do your act versus being genuinely funny. Sure, sure. And, and when it's genuine and we laugh at our pain, because it's a shared pain, right? We laugh at it. But when it's when you're just trying to be funny for the sake of being funny, people are like, no. And there's always somebody who's gonna pull your shirt on that and be like, hey, hey, we this we don't do that shit here. You know, and and it'll be and it might be the funniest person you know. It might, you know what I mean? That's the thing. Right. It might be a superstar in the world of comedy, because as you know. We have all types of entertainers come through and sure. they'll be the one to tell you like, yeah, um, don't be funny here. <laughs> that's exactly. That's exactly right. You know, co- with the COVID pandemic, a lot of people working on their sobriety are struggling more than ever. Mm-hmm. What for, uh, for the people out there that, that, that are finding that the zoom meetings and the stuff like that, it's not the same feeling for them. And uh, the isolation for people like you and I uh, can be really difficult because a lot of our shit we 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 did alone, and we loved it. Uh, I was, you know, I was a we already isolated. Yes, exactly. What can you say to them out there? Give them, a- you know, it, and it really is tough. Um, we talked about this on that panel I was on. The idea of trying to recover through Zoom meetings when you don't have somebody in the room to me is impossible to understand. I know it's really hard. The advice I give to people, the thing I say, like connect with somebody through Zoom and then do do a walk, do a social distance walk together, meet up somewhere. Um, they're doing, there's some people are doing outdoor meetings in parks and at the beach. And if that if that's available and it's safe, it's okay. But that's still kind of questionable, you know, yeah. for reasons. But you can always meet with one or two people and go for a walk or sit somewhere outdoors and just talk. And and that's the best advice I can give to, to someone because you do, it does help to have that contact and it does help to get out of your house, right? Especially yes. if you're the isolator who would drink at home alone or get high or whatever at home alone, you, you need to get out of the house. So it, it does help. And that's where it's like, Hey man, you know, you, you got the chat on the side in the Zoom and you hear say, hey, can we meet up and, and you know, just 
walk in the park and talk about something or whatever. I, that's the advice I would give. We can gather in small groups. You can, you can two or three people. I, I knew one guy, it was his uh, birthday, his anniversary, his first year. And he asked like five of us to meet him at the parking lot of this church where he normally went to meetings. And we just showed up and kind of stood in a circle and it was like, happy birthday. And that, that meant the world to him, you know? Um, so you can, we can do that kind of thing. We can do that kind of That's thing. That's great. And you know, I, 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 you're really one of my, my, my heroes. And I know in Hollywood, that sounds so trite, but the, the human you are, the talent you are, um, you've been so generous to Maximum Hope, my foundation as well, that takes care of these families. But you're, you're just, you know, we, we, we need more Alonzo right now, more than ever. I want to thank you for doing this. And if it's okay, if I give a shout out, Travis, come on. Could, would you mind coming on? Hey, guys. Travis, Travis Zoe uh, just celebrated his first birthday. Congratulations, uh, man. I did not know that, but, but yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. you know, one, one is a big, there's two things they told me when I hit one, they said, that's great. Congratulations. Get five. <laughs> <laughs> get, get five and then come back to me. Yeah, exactly. Right? They let me, they let me enjoy one for, I don't yeah. even know if it was the full 24 hours before they were like, yeah, now get five. Shut yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Or, right. or, or 32 <laughs> or 32, man, no, you, you are, you're, you're so, you're so, blessed and uh and and you know when i hear blessed you know you did the work you did the work and yeah. uh you show and that's up. the key you gotta show up and, and you it gotta is the do day the work. time and you know and that's the thing because because i'm now how much time do you have brad if you don't mind me asking uh i i have 20 uh 23 okay 23. so you you know this as well as i do when you come in you hear some guy with 20 years you're like oh my god that's not even possible right? right that's not even real and then you start putting together the day at a time today and then you start realizing oh shit i'm that guy like like all the things that you heard 20 years ago now you're saying it or you're and you're like wow i'm that you know i'm that guy i got that so it and it's still a year is but we still remember the first year oh we, the first year know. is i mean the first year you you know I just remember when the clarity started coming back. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, and and it's impossible to do a year, but it's possible to do a day. You know, and and I remember this guy say, he said, listen, you know, you got one when I got uh one year, he said, You got one year, I got five. It's like, oh my God, you got five. He said, but then I get ten, you got five. Now it's not so much. And he said, and you know. When I got 30 and you got 25, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, That's you know exactly I mean? right. It's, it's so what, what would you say, uh, Zoe, to someone out there right now that is is struggling? Someone like you were 32 years ago or someone like I was 23 years ago? Because you never want to hear it when you're not ready. You got to be yeah. ready. It's be no magic to it. What, what do you say to them? You absolutely have to be ready. And I'm going through this with some friends of mine who are dealing with it with their son. There's their son is in that he's been in one or two rehabs. He's in that continuous bottom. You know, he's, he's doing that looking for his bottom as we call it. Right. And I tell him, listen, 
he has to hear the similarities, not the differences. You have to hear somebody. To me, this is what happens. You hear somebody or something and you realize like, oh, wow, I am the same as you. And for me, that experience came from people who were completely opposite to me physically or background or whatever. But I heard them say something or they did something and I realized, yeah, I think the same way or I do the same thing. Um, I have the same fear, you know. And, and then the other thing was, and this, this is what these guys did to me when I was new, they took away any of the bullshit. You know, like I was telling somebody the other day, right? You know, man, it's hot, man, I need a beer. It's like, when did you ever drink beer because it's hot? Right, right. <laughs> shit about, it wasn't like, oh, well, it, it's it. a 70 degree day. I don't need beer today. Yeah. You didn't only drink beer above 90 degrees. Stop bullshit, you drank to get drunk <laughs> you know, yeah, right exactly the truth and and yeah. and they yeah. hit you with that and you have to hear that you have to hear that you know you're you're not different you're not you know you're you're one of us and and i yeah. think that that once that's the first thing so that's the problem right and then the solution becomes one day it's like i said like i can't not drink for 32 years but maybe i cannot drink today and then if I don't drink today, and if I do the same thing tomorrow, maybe I don't drink tomorrow. And then I meet somebody who hasn't had a drink for two weeks. And it's like, holy shit, man, two weeks. What's that? Because because if I got three days talking to a guy with 30 years, I don't believe him. But but if I got three days and I talk to some guy with 10 days, like, holy shit, man, how did you do that? You know, yes. it, it's. It, it's got to be, it's got to be reachable. It's got to be, yeah. it, that's why one day at a time you hear it forever, but it's, it's the only way you can go about it and, yeah. and, and to stay. And All right, makes- real quickly, I I saw something on your Instagram and can we, can we pull up Travis, uh, all, all the info because uh, your Instagram is great. I let that Clippers bit. I was dying because I'm a, I'm a native Californian man. You know. I was dying and, and, you know. and, LA fans are the worst. The minute can't we have a, they can't handle any. You know, then they're all of a sudden they're a Nick fan. Uh, what, what what do you think? Do the do the Clips have it? They're looking good, right? Who the who's going to take it this year? The Clippers are looking great. Um, Kawhi is is great. It, Paul George is in and out. You know, we we enjoy success, but we're like we're we're guarded. I I have a friend. He was a lifelong Red Sox fan. And when the Sox finally won it, what was that, 04, 05, or whatever, when they won that World Series, he was like, I'm still not going to celebrate for two weeks because they might take it away. You just can't. <laughs> you know? So as a Clipper fan, I'm going to tell you, right now, I'm happy in the second round. Like, listen, this is new territory for us. Sure. I'm going to enjoy the second round before I worry about the championship. I'll worry about the championship next year. Right now, I'm just happy to see this, you know. Yeah, um, I love that. It's so well, that's much your great. That's your gratefulness through sobriety. It's, by the it's way, it's so much a fun being a Clipper fan because yeah. of that grind, because of the fact that you know there were t- seasons when the team you you know it, Brad, when the team yeah. would win 15. You remember when you used to go to a Clipper game for 10 or 15 bucks, like it was a thousand bucks to see Showtime. Sure. Well, no, I can go down to the sports arena. And oh, I never went to a Clipper game. The, the sports arena was basically like, 
well, how much you got? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> how much you got? That's exactly right. It's two for one, baby. So if you want to throw us a couple of bucks, hey, hey, we got air conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Billy Crystal is, you know, one of the most uh, infamous uh, Clipper fans. Is he still? Billy's he, still there. Billy's still, still there. there. And but but yeah, I think that's what it is. It's the grind yeah. of the Clippers. And you know the 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 Donald Sterling thing that really made a difference. That I think that brought the fans and the team together. Like you know, get rid of this guy. And Steve Ballmer. Steve Ballmer is fantastic because he has so much money that he doesn't have to ask anyone anything. It's like, yeah, yeah we need it to do arena. Atmosphere. He's like, yeah, I got that. I can buy yeah. an arena. What the hell? <laughs> so so yeah. he's part of the fun. Like, if you ever see pictures of him on the sideline, he's losing his mind. Oh, yeah. Today. Oh, yeah. And it's just what that team needed. And, and you know what I'm loving? What about how all of these giant venues, the, the these arenas, are? this is what I love, are opening up so people can vote they're seeing that's you know. going to bring and a lot of them are in are, are, are in urban areas where we need to be counted this is where you know what's her name laura ingram the the fox like, shut up and dribble yeah. yeah well look what the athletes did that's look right what the athletes did the athletes opened up arenas and stadiums for people to vote. And in a lot of cases, and LeBron is one of these, and I'm a big fan of LeBron yeah, on and too. off the court. But yeah. when he reaches into his pocket and says, yeah, I'll pay the poll workers. Here's a million dollars. I'll pay them. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, Laura, shut the, shut yeah. up. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, yeah. absolutely. I love it. I and love the, it. The ball player, and the other thing, and I, I talked about this on my podcast, the other thing, the young ball players. And when I'm talking young, you know, 20, 21, 22, a lot of them weren't registered to vote and they admitted it. And now they're registered and people, oh, you're a hypocrite. No, you're 21. Well, I was an idiot when I was 21. You know, yeah. you know, the, the idea people judge these athletes. It's like, think back to when you were 20, 21, 22. And imagine if someone gave you $10 million. I don't know about you, Brad. I wouldn't be here today. I definitely would have been dead. Sure. <laughs> you know, no, no question about it. The, the fact that these guys, these guys are 20 something years old and they're putting their, they're putting their job on the line. They're doing all this publicly. That's amazing to me. So I got a lot of respect for that Me too, along with everything else. And it's not just basketball. You know, the other athletes did it. Football players yep. did it. Uh, the tennis, tennis players. Did it all athletes were like, yeah. yeah. When when the tennis players did it, I went, this shit's real. Yeah. When you exactly. get the tennis people, you know, to, yeah. to, to do it. It's, <laughs> and it, it. It gives us hope. Now you're one of the, the few comics that are back on the road, man. Uh, now I, I know you did a virtual thing the other night. What, what is that like? You know, uh, okay. Here's the difference between doing a zoom show and doing a live show. It's a difference between playing Grand Theft Auto and actually stealing a car and running from the cop. <laughs> One has a bit more energy. There's a bit more on the line. Sure. No, I, um, I got to do some live shows in, in Tampa, Florida, and St. Louis. The clubs were great. The clubs cut to half capacity. They, okay. they require a mask until you sit at your table to you know actually have your drink. Um, they so own. is the mask off during your show? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. They're, you know, because they're at there because you sit with the people you came in with. As a matter of fact, one club, the Helium Clubs, you buy you don't buy a ticket, you buy a table and you can have up to four people. The tables are spaced six, eight feet apart, whatever. You can have up to four people at your table, but they have to come in together. So that's that's the social distancing thing. You know, okay. that's how they keep it as safe as possible. And for the comics, we each had our own microphone and, you know, or you can bring a mic. Um, I carry a mic now when I go out. Right. So it's it's as safe as can be. And, you know, from a performer creative standpoint, you know, I, the first live one I did was July 3rd. There were like, where, where at? It July was at, 3rd? July 3rd. It was wow. at the Comedy Store in La Jolla. And they said, You're kidding. Started, they opened up for about two weeks during that period when California, remember when California first opened? Yeah. We lost yeah. our minds and they were like, You can't have nice things because you don't know how to behave. That's well, right. Right. <laughs> They opened in that period and a friend of mine was doing a show and I went to see him. He said, Hey, you want to do 10 minutes? And I did it. It was like 35 people, but just the, the energy and, and I the creative energy of being with live people versus yeah. doing it on a screen is incredible. Now doing it on a screen is something that I, and we've all had to learn how to do this, right? Because this, this is what we were doing. Again, the energy's not the same, but people open up their microphones so you can hear some laughter. And we we have to figure out, we had to figure out how to make the best of that, you know, to make that work. So, so again, it's not the same, but it's better than doing nothing. I don't know about you for the first two months, just sitting at home, you know, how many, you, you do your friends' podcasts and stuff right. like that, this and, you know, and these are sure. conversations we have. But just not performing, man. Never, you know, I yeah. listen. I I didn't get on a plane from March 14th to like August. I don't know, 12th or 15th. Whatever. That was the longest in 25 years I've gone yeah. without getting on an airplane. That you yeah. you know that you sure. You know sure. That's your job. People are like, what do you do? Oh, my job is go to the airport. The comedy shit is just for fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> So that's so so when you're in front of that live audience, okay, uh, at Helium, right? Yeah. What what is the? I mean, it's got to be odd, but what is the vibe of the COVID crowd? The COVID crowd you know, now. They. It's like where their where's their head at? They love it too because they haven't had a chance to come out. Okay. Right? So for them. It's like, oh man, I'm getting to do something live. So, so it's one of those things that you have to talk about it. You got to talk about the virus and the quarantine and this and that. But you don't make the whole show about it. You right. have to acknowledge it. Like, there's no way. What are you going to go up there and oh, not acknowledge the fact we've all been locked in our houses for three months? Right. But at the same time, you don't want to pound everybody with it to the point that it becomes depressing. Well, they want to get away from it. That's right. why they're out, right? So, so you feel that out, and you do you you find a balance. And the same thing with the political stuff. You know, you 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 give them some, yeah. Um, but it's not a it's not a rally. Yeah, one way you've always the... walked that line in your act politically, very very gingerly and and very artistically. 
Is any of is there any more that you're doing that is that is being fueled from the the? Well, the you know, recent- I tell them it's like, yeah, yeah, I believe Black Lives Matter because I have one. <laughs> you know, I I got skin in the game on yeah, it. Right. right. And the right. thing the thing with Trump, and I've been this way since the second year. The first year I did a lot of Trump material, but then it becomes the same thing. It, it's one more yeah. lie. It's one more yeah. outland. So it it literally becomes tiring. I said Sarah Cooper is the only one who figured it out, right? You can't say anything funnier than what he actually says. So she like she's like, oh, I'm just gonna say what he actually says. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, yeah, and it's absolutely just, what he's done has been fantastic. And we're all like, why didn't we think of that? Wait a minute. <laughs> why, why, <laughs> exactly. Oh, it was all exactly that. right. Yeah. Um, so and the crowd is like that. You know, th- listen, th- and and I don't know how much of this you've encountered. This might be different for you being a white comic and being the star you are to name recognition, but well, I'm not a star and I'm not white. So, go, <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. In my experience, the true Trump people, they don't come out to laugh because they're not happy people. They're angry fucking people. Yeah. And they don't come, you know, the, to them, the yes. idea of like, they exactly. would only go to a comedy club if they knew it was going to be angry comedy aimed at Mexicans or something. Right. Like that. You know what I mean? But well, they, <laughs> you know, again, don't fuck with my demo, okay? That's uh, listen, man, you 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 you're you're unbelievable. I I know I took a lot of your time, uh, especially being white. I feel horrible. Um, but uh, you're my LeBron brother. I'm going to put it hey. that way. You walk the walk. You talk the talk. You've always been that way since I've known you, and uh, um, I, I'm grateful for your time and your and your honesty and and uh, man, you gave me hope. You you really did about life. You you know it's a mutual thing, and Travis, you're listening, and you can back me up on this because Brad will never talk about it. I'm talking to Brad's audience right now. He is quietly one of the most generous, helpful guys in the comedy community, and I'm not going to embarrass with any specifics, but I do know there have been some comics who've been down on their luck, had a hard time, and a little help came from somewhere. And you, you know, the, things like that, you've never forgotten being a comic, your, your, your acting success, everything else, you've never forgotten what it's like for comics out there grinding. Thank you. And, and it, 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 honestly, it is a very generous thing and you're known and loved for it in the industry and your club you. and everyone knows it is, is one of the greatest clubs in the business because you remember what it's like to be a comic. So you treat us, you. You, you do That's everything to common. make our job easier and more fun, other than the most distractingly beautiful waitresses. That, that <laughs> I have nothing to do with. That's all the MGM. <laughs> you know how they do it. You the know, distractingly beautiful waitresses, which is not a knock against the club, just something no. you have to learn no. to deal with. And, uh, you know, you Thank tell you, the young comics, listen, look up. Keep your eyes up. <laughs> yeah, look up. That's but right. Whatever you ask her, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are loved by everyone at the club and people who knew we were talking today wanted me to send you love and health. And we can't wait to be open and uh, and have you back. And thank you. Thank you for your kind words back at you. That means a lot to me coming from you. 
Thank you, Brad. Mutual right. admiration. And Travis, Thank again, you. congrats on one year, and you're doing a great job. And isn't it nice of you, Brad, to help Travis out? Because we know he's special. In yes, he, he, he is special. <laughs> and uh, he's uh, probably petting a kitten right now. And uh, not, not too hard, Travis. Gently, gentle with cat. Uh, love you, bro. Be healthy. Oh, Be well. And about- can't, wait to, can't wait to share the circle with you again. You talk about a name for a podcast, Gentle with Cat. Gentle with Cat. That would be whatever would, could help. I would not tune in. <laughs> tune in next week to Gentle with Cat. Yes. <laughs> uh, see that? You never know. Uh, I need uh, help. I love you, uh, man. I love you more, man. And thank you again. Alonzo Bowden, everybody. Be well, people. Uh, what a great time. What a what an enlightening uh podcast today was uh funny uh heartfelt and uh just grateful for these people in my life uh travis congrats again on your one year man uh a lot of love stay strong alonzo appreciate you everybody out there keep uh keep hope alive you know that sounds trite but uh it's all we got right now things are going to change and it's okay to ask for help because we all need it be well everybody while this podcast may discuss medical issues and at times answer or discuss listeners questions this podcast is not offering any individual medical advice nor meant to substitute for individualized professional medical treatment or advice so please remember that all content is for informational purposes only and please consult with your own healthcare provider for your own issues and diagnosis. If you think you may have a medical emergency, do the right thing and call your doctor or go to a local emergency room or call 911 immediately. Never delay seeking individualized help for a problem based on something discussed here. Take care of yourself. You're worth it.